Hosts Elle and Miriam are two Black homeschooling moms embarking on a self-defining journey. Listen in on conversations that will encourage you to be your authentic self while uplifting your spirit and motivating your inherent potential. They're defining what culture is for their families and want you to do the same. Bring your children along too so they can meet the cleverly cultured kids. They're all for teaching the babies while they're young, adapting to the challenges of parenting, homeschooling, and being willing to learn the lessons that the children have to offer. It's all about uplifting one another and reclaiming your innate greatness. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are so happy that you are tuning in with us. Today, we are going to cover sending children abroad to learn, exposing children to other countries, hands-on homeschooling, and juggling a busy life homeschooling, motherhood, and marriage. But before we get into all of that good stuff, we want to talk to you about African history before European expeditions, before the slave trade. So here's what we want you to know. There were great civilizations that flourished in Africa before the 1500s. Some of those civilizations were Kush, Mali, and Great Zimbabwe. Long before European expeditions, Africans participated in international trading networks and in transoceanic travel. It is well documented that they had trading relations with India, China, and other parts of Asia. In addition, when Europeans started doing expeditions, they often hired Africans to help them with the expeditions. Africans were also well known as the greatest swimmers in early world history. If your children love travel, here are a few great explorers they should consider learning about. Juan Guerdo and Esteban the Moor, they should also read 10 pieces of evidence that prove Black people sailed to America long before Columbus. So stay tuned and listen to this episode. Now I'm going to share with you today's proverb. It is, you must act as if it is impossible to fail. And that proverb is from Ghana. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by Senegal. Nagadef. Nagadef means what's up in Wolof. It is a honor and pleasure to talk to you again. It has been a while. I am talking to my niece, Nia. Nia was on our show a couple, about a season ago, um, and you were talking about race relations. And so I think that episode was called um, What Young People Think or something like that. So I'll definitely leave a link to Nia's past conversation in our show notes. So if you are listening, definitely head to the show notes to learn more and to hear that past show. So Nia, I am happy that you are making time to talk to us today. Today we are talking about a light, happy subject, which is great. We're talking about travel. So yes. 
Yes, I am I am super excited to talk to you as you can hear in my voice because I know that you have traveled to a lot of places. I have only been to a handful of countries, but you've actually been to more places than I have. Can you kind of um, introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about you, and then tell us how many places you've traveled? Of course. Um, I'm Samia, her niece, or uh, your niece. <laughs> I do like to travel. Um, I just graduated, well, not just, 2020, August, I graduated college with a political science major um yeah one of my favorite things to do is travel I I I didn't think I would been to more places than you um you're talking about like out of the country wise or? yeah I think you've been to more countries than I have hmm yeah so I've been to let me see uh um, maybe three Okay, so maybe know. we're neck and neck. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us where you've been, because I know you went to a Caribbean island um, that I yeah. haven't been to. Uh, okay, so I, I wouldn't count Puerto Rico because that's technically. Would you count Puerto Rico? It's the U.S. I count Puerto territory. Rico. So even though okay. Puerto Rico is an American territory. It's mm -hmm. it's an island. It's beautiful and it's tropical, yeah, it so is. it counts. Yeah, on the U.S. Virgin Islands, Turks and Caicos, Bahamas, Mexico, and um, I think that's it. Turks and Caicos, Bahamas, the U.S. Virgin. Yeah, that's it. I think. Yeah, and and you've been to oh Hawaii Dominican too. Republic, Dominic oh yeah, Dominican Republic in Hawaii. Yeah, yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, yes. So I've been to I've been to a couple of those places, but not all of them. I've been to Hawaii, and I've been to Mexico because I think we went together. Mm -hmm. We went to the Bahamas together, right? Um, but so I've been to Hawaii, Mexico, Bahamas, and I think it's just three for me. But okay, you, yeah. So we so are, I haven't been to the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I have not been to Turks and Caicos. Yeah, well, we have to go soon. Yeah, yeah. I know. I definitely. When 2020 happened, I had all these places on my list, and we had to scale back because um, we, as a family, we used to take trips together and before before the pandemic happened we had taken a trip together um to mexico mm -hmm. and so it it was like oh we'll just do it next year we were thinking you know nothing was going to happen but clearly things were very yeah. different and we haven't been able to go as many places but i wanted to kind of talk to you because i think you've always liked to travel but it's more so been in recent years that you've made that a reality for yourself. Even though we go places as a family, I've mentioned that you've been to more places than I have because you've made it a priority for yourself and you just went up and go and, you know, you booked a trip and you've gone to the places. So I want to know when it comes to having that desire to travel and wanting it for yourself, how have you been able to kind of make that happen for you? Um, it's funny. I think me and a boys talked about this recently. Um, you know, we see my mom travel. Um, in the most recent years, she's she's been traveling a lot, and it's just something. If you want to do it, you'll make it happen. You know, is if you book a year a year in advance, you have more than enough time to put monthly payments on there. So you can you, like it's to make it more affordable that way. I think that's that's the biggest thing for me because I am young and I don't have a, like a lot of money. I like to book my trips a year and a hit a year in advance, even with the family trips. We do this and mm -hmm. then I can just break it up and it makes it more affordable. Yeah. So I, I love that you are. Making goals and also achieving them 
especially when it comes to travel, because I think it kind of broadens your worldview. What has travel given you that you, um, maybe something you learned, just what kind of perspective has changed based on your travels? Oh, yeah, travel, it gives you so much culture and it gives you a world outside of the United States. You, you, you get to learn something that you don't get to see when you're just traveling to the different states. You get to see a different culture. You get to see how other cultures interact with each other and also how diverse it is in the different cultures that you don't see in TV. They'll show you an island and they'll show you one kind of person. But in reality, they have different, like they're like Puerto Rico, for example, is like, they're like the rainbow. You, you get to learn and see how, how they act, you know, how they actually are on that island compared to what I think America shows you on TV. Because mm-hmm. you don't really see that side of Puerto Rico yeah. or other islands as well. Yeah, that's true. What, um, is there anything that kind of comes into mind when you think of, wow, I went on that trip. I didn't know that. And now I know that I I'm happy to have found that out. Is there, was there any aha moments for you? Yeah. Um, I think being, um, when I went to DR, there were a lot of Africans there and I didn't realize how diverse DR was. Like, you know, you see Africans going to different countries, like when they go to, they come here or they go to the Britain, but they're also traveling in to DR and they speak Spanish. Well, some of them are Haitian and some of them are actually Dominican Republican, Dominican Republic, but there's, you know, there's different people traveling over there as well. And I like, I also got confused for a, <laughs> a Spanish person or a Dominican when I was there too. They were speaking Spanish to me or there was Africans there and they was asking me if I was um if I lived on the island or if that was my home. So yeah, I, I didn't realize that there was people from different sides of the world and continents moving over to, you know, little islands like that. Also like made me want to also move to a an island, get off of a big continent and just move on a little small island. I think there's something to be said, like when you go to a place where you're not necessarily the minority anymore, have you been in a place where you felt like you were a part of the majority, where your physical features didn't set you apart from other people and you felt physically at home? Um, definitely DR. I felt physically at home. There was a lot of people that looked like me when I walked around the streets. And when I looked around, there was a lot of people who had this similar feature, similar hair. I I think, oh, and you know, also in the U.S. Virgin Islands as well. I felt those two places, I I felt like home over there. They all looked like me, especially the Virgin Islands. I didn't feel any like any I didn't feel like the minority compared to here wow I think that that's a great feeling though to just be in a place and have that new sort of perspective it's kind of I don't know I feel like there's a a freedom in that I feel lighter I feel um like I'm able to breathe it's a more easy feeling Right. You feel it's really easy. You feel calm. There's also a feel, you know, a subtle confidence that comes with it. Yeah, it's almost like you're at home, even though you've never been there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's a real thing and it's soothing. It's a feeling of comfort. Mm. I like that you just said that, um, you know, you could see different hair textures and different skin tones. Sometimes when we see different Caribbean countries, it's mostly uh, people who look more Anglo-Saxon versus people who have darker brown skin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. I I feel like Puerto Rico, you will see um, a, a 
you will definitely see a diverse group of people. But in Dominican Republic, as far as um, the darker people or people that's closer to our skin color, you will, I feel like you will feel a little bit more at home over there, in my opinion. There's also dark, you know, there's the darker Puerto Ricans there, but I feel like I, there was way more in Dominican Republic mm-hmm. compared to how diverse Puerto Rico was. It wasn't as diverse at in DR. Mm-hmm. And they don't show you that on TV either. Right, right. What would you tell? What would you tell a young person who is thinking about traveling? Who reads about the places in school and is like, one day I want to go there. What would you tell that young person? It's definitely possible. Um, you you don't have to. It doesn't have to be some a luxurious trip. You can do what I like to do. I think the cruises is like the easiest way to visit multiple places. And it's also cheap and it's everything's inclusive. You know, book ahead. As long as you plan ahead and book ahead, you can make it happen. You don't have to dream about it. You can you can make it happen. That is awesome. Yay. I just want you to know that I am super proud of you for making it happen and going places. And so I want, you know, I wish you many more travels. Um, In this episode, we are talking about Africa and African nations and African travel. Are you interested in ever visiting the continent of Africa one day? Of course. You know, mom, my mom has something she's planning to go sometime in the the spring because she's building a house over there. So I I do plan on going over there with her to oversee the house and to look at the construction and also to, you know, to to live in a culture as well. I believe it's Ghana or Nigeria. Awesome. So I can't wait to do that. Yay. So I I am super proud of you, proud of your mom. And just, I I can't wait to learn more, but I wanted to talk to you about your travels and you are going places, girl. So thanks for making time to talk to us so listeners can hear about a young person who is making travel happen for themselves. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye now. Bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of your hosts, L. Cole, and we are super, super thrilled about today's show. I am a mom of twins. I homeschooled my twins for seven years, and this year I put them in school. So we shared how that went a couple episodes ago, so definitely look at the show notes and find that show. And I also have my co-host here, Miriam. Tell everybody about yourself. Hello, everyone. I'm Miriam. I am the steward of four young people. And I'm tired, but I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also an urban farmer and a writer and an editor and all things creative. Um, Today's episode features an amazing young lady that I met when I was in the beginners farmer, beginning farmers training program. I can never get that right. <laughs> At uh, Eagle City Farms. And I overheard her having a conversation with some of our classmates on that first night. And she said, I guess I kind of farm children too, you know? And then they were asking her kinds of questions once they realized she was serious and that she homeschooled her children. And they were like, so you taught them how to read? (laughs) I was like in my head thinking, yeah, it's not hard. (laughs) But anywho, so I've known her for a couple years now and I find her to be an inspiring and amazing young lady. And we are so pleased 
to bring to you Sister Corey Majid. Hi. Hey, ladies. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. Let's start with the basics. How many children do you have? I am a mother of six girls. All minute, girls? Huh? <laughs> oh, let me count again. Okay. My, my, I have a bonus daughter, my husband, but I have given birth to five. <laughs> awesome. And it's all girls. All girls. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm, I'm the youngest of five girls, so I definitely can relate to that. So my mom gave birth to five daughters. And so um, I can relate to your children in that regard. So can you kind of, um, before we really get into the conversations, can you kind of give everybody an overview about who you are, what you love, and um, your parenting style? Well, um, I'm a wife. I've been married to my husband, uh, I think about 20, 23 years. Um, I am a proud, unapologetic Black Muslim. And um, like I said, I'm a mother of um, five girls. I'm also an environmentalist, a faith-based environmentalist. And um, I love being out outside and breathing soil particles and um, just soaking up the sun and um, looking at wildlife. Yeah, I think that's pretty much me. Yes, can I just interject here for a moment and say you all really should check out her Instagram, Green Ramadan. So lovely. You can follow on her, follow her on many of her adventures. I mean, she's a, you do a very good job of curating your page. It's very I like looking at the pictures. She goes on hikes and all kinds of naturey things. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, and I and I wonder where did she find out about that? <laughs> the hookup on some of those events I mean you really do seem to um embrace it in its entirety I and think have your children followed your steps with that so um I think um like as part of our homeschooling journey I think that we try to make our community um our school so whether that be our neighborhood or whether that be the city or whether that be, you know, a different country. It's not, you know, homeschooling is definitely a misnomer. There's, there's lots of work that gets done at home, but there's also um, a lot that we learn from our world. And I think um, that was, that is definitely part of our homeschooling journey, but it's also um, how I approach, I approach life. I see nature as a source of uh, revelation and inspiration. Just as just the way I see, um, you know, the Quran, a source of revelation and inspiration. That's beautiful. I definitely can relate. Miriam knows I love to go hiking with my kids. It's something that my family enjoys doing. We like being outdoors, out in nature, and just taking in the beauty of the fresh air and just kind of getting that rejuvenation because it keeps us going. So I'm so glad that you shared that because sometimes we don't necessarily hear other moms talking about the environment and the importance of being mindful about what we teach our children about nature and just taking time to feel that warmth and the blessings that come from nature itself. So I'm glad that you shared that and I'm glad that you shared our page so that our listeners can show some support support. So I'm curious, have you always been kind of a person who loves the environment, loves the outdoors, and willing to kind of step out of the norm, so to speak? Because it is something that we don't always see moms doing, even though I know that there are plenty of moms who do that, they're not just, they're not always showcasing it. Right. So um, I think one of my favorite places, places in the world 
and it includes, you know, one of my favorite people in the world um, is in um, a small rural town in Alabama. Um, I spent, I used to spend my summers down south um, in Alabama at my grandmother's house. Um, and uh, she had, she had land and she, she grew things like sugarcane and corn and um, peas and she had you know plum trees and pear trees and apple trees and she had you know chickens and at one point she had a horse and um, this is a woman who I feel like was the epitome of a person who lived in harmony with uh, with the environment. So when it was time to plant, she planted. When it was time to harvest, she harvested. When she couldn't be outside in the field, she was inside taking scraps of cloth that she had collected throughout the year and making quilts. Every bed in the house had a quilt and she was also making a quilt so, so that she could just give it away. So that was, um, Grandma Moselle was my favorite person and being in her on in her space was my favorite favorite space and you know I would just I was just I was I adored her I adored her so um, I think that was my inspiration and my foundation for love of the environment and then um, you asked if I had been someone who was like kind of like outside the box a bit I do remember um, my mother. Um, she was like a Sunday church goer. And I remember asking her, mom, I probably was like maybe 12 years old. Why can't we just go outside um, on Sunday instead of going to church and read uh, and read the Bible outside? And, you know, let's see what happens. And my mother indulged me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that's something that I remember, but um, I think I have, um, it's pretty much been a, a, a good part of my character that I've tried to live differently outside, um, you know, the, uh, I guess the monopoly game that people are supposed to play. I wanted to play my own game. I think that's been, been a, a pretty big thing throughout my life. I love that. I too have that little rebellious streak. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do it how I want to do it. And, you know, we'll work out the details later. Right. <laughs> I remember you saying one day, <laughs> we were at the farm and we were looking for a wheelbarrow. <laughs> do you remember this? And there was a wheelbarrow up at the top of the hill. <laughs> we wanted to use it but I was like but there's somebody's stuff in there <laughs> and Cora was like um okay she came back with this wheelbarrow and she said man better to ask for forgiveness later than ask for permission <laughs> and I thought to myself I know that's right because <laughs> I really wanted to dump it myself but I was I was really trying to do the neighborly and communal thing and not just pitch that compost or whatever was in the wheelbarrow on the ground. But the compost didn't go to waste, did it? it didn't no, we waste. used it actually. Now exactly. <laughs> we used it. That's right. <laughs> so yes, I can attest to her fiery nature there where, you know, so let me ask this. Do any of your girls share the same oof? In their all in their all in their own way. So um, they are all different, and mm. I try to um, cultivate them in the way that they are they want to go. So uh, I, you know, I listen to them, I watch them, and I cultivate their interests. So I don't I don't necessarily want them to be likely be like me, um, but. I want them to be them, their best selves because they you know, have to live their life. I can't live their life. You know, uh, I think there's, um, for example, when you're trying to teach a child how to ride a bike, you can't ride that bike for them. Right. You put them on it and you, you know, give them some, some advice and you push them and let them go. That's all you can do. You can't ride the bike for them, right? Very true. 
it, you just touched on. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was saying you just touched on cultivating your child's interest. And I think that's something that most homeschoolers are people who even supplement their kids' education. They're trying to encourage their kids to have their own needs, their own desires, and understand how to honor those things. So when you are encouraging your kids to do the things that their heart is leaning toward, how do you encourage that? How are you cultivating your children's desires? So um, just simple ways, definitely watch them um, and listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so grateful to have a relationship with my daughter such that they talk to me and they, you know, tell me some things that I'm kind of surprised sometimes that they <laughs> that they talk to me about so i am so so blessed to have um such a good relationship with my daughters um and i think my husband might be a little bit jealous but you know you know we're a team we're a team <laughs> but okay so watching my children talking to my children and then when they have an interest i have to make sure that i'm prepared to um to to cultivate that interest mm whether it be I do, I'm, I'm doing research online on different places or different people that they can learn from or um, different uh, uh, places in the city or in my community that, that they can learn from, whether it be like, uh, um, you know, internships or apprenticeships, something like that. So, and also uh, giving them uh, resources, uh, whether it be books or someplace online. So I, I just, try to rise to their occasion and kind of get out of the way and let them go. Okay, well, that's a lovely way to get into one of the things that I also find very, very interesting about your family. I know that you have two daughters that aren't in the home with you. They are studying, oh, three of them now. What? <laughs> okay, we have three young ladies now that are studying abroad. Can you please, please, please tell us more about that? Okay, sure. So um, very important in Islam is, you know, the revelation of the Quran. And it is considered an honor, um, you know, with even like with a title um, to memorize the entire Quran. And it's part of the tradition from the beginning of the revelation uh, of the Quran till now that people memorize the Quran. Um, so we wanted to have our children participate in that tradition as much as possible. So uh, the we sent them to Senegal, West Africa. And uh, this is a place that African-Americans in particular, this particular school that they go to, um, African-Americans have been going to this one particular school for at least three generations. And it's a way of connecting African-Americans to the continent of Africa, Senegal in particular. And so they go there and um, not only are they memorizing the Quran, but they're also learning um, a bit of Wolof, some um, you know Arabic and also um, being uh, learning about the, the culture of Senegal. And not only that, another reason that we, we could have sent them to any Muslim majority country. We could have sent them to Egypt. We could have sent them to Malaysia. We could have sent them to Pakistan. We could have sent them to Saudi Arabia. But we want to send them to a place where people look like them. So, and when it comes to uh, feeling beautiful, uh, West African women, um, they know how to be women and they know how to look like women and act like women. They have this ambience about them. So uh, sending our children to a place where uh, blackness is, is, is the norm um, and beautiful, um, we wanted to have our children have the opportunity to do all, have all of this happening in, in one place. So we said, um, you know, you only have to stay a year, you know, just do your best 
and um, then we'll go from there. So I've so far three of my daughters are over there, and um, they want to. After a year, they wanted to stay. They wanted to stay and finish memorizing the Quran. I'm not forcing them to stay. Only we just said try for a year, mm -hmm. but you know, surprisingly, <laughs> they wanted to stay. And in fact, my oldest daughter, I she feels like she just wants to visit America. She doesn't necessarily want to come back here. She's, she's like, oh, maybe I'll come visit, you know, for three months, three or four months every now and then. So it's interesting who these, these women that I have mothered are, are, are becoming. Oh, okay. Well, you gave me several questions. So number one, so is it only, not only, is it, primarily a faith-based institution where they are? Well, um, Senegal is um, a Muslim country and um, this program is for Muslim kids who want to, who, whose parents want them to memorize the Quran. <laughs> okay. I, I have a question. How old are your girls? So uh, my oldest is just turned 19 um, a few days ago. Oh, and then um, I have but after her is 16, and then 14, and then 12 year old who's here and five year olds. No, she's not five. She's seven, about to be eight. Woo. Remember wow, the age. Wow. So it's your, it's your three oldest that are over in Senegal. Did yes. they all, did all three go together or did the first two oldest go together first? So my adventurous child, who also happens to be my oldest <laughs> at first, she uh, went, she actually turned 13 over there. She went a few days before her 13th birthday. Ooh. So my husband accompanied her and he, I think he stayed for at least two weeks. And uh, so she went first. And then a few years, years later, I mean, like three years later, um, my number two daughter went. And then a few years later, two or three years later, my number three daughter went. Oh, man. Wow. So is there a way to like transform this into to citizenship since she wants to stay? Is that a, an option for those who, because um, I can't lie, the, the whole idea of leaving this place behind really does resonate with me. I, I've only been out of the country once, went to Jamaica and it just, it was wonderful to see so many people, like you said, that look like you. And it wasn't, I didn't feel that, that white gaze, like, you know, it's kind of heavy and a big wet blanket. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I don't, at the first chance I have to roll out, I think that is the path I'm going to take. So is that something that she would be able to do from having studied there? Well, I'm not sure about that, but in this particular community, it's called Medina Bay. Medina um, Bay? Medina Bay, yes. Um, in this particular community, there are lots of African-American expats in particular. So um, there um, are several uh, sheikhs who live there and they have um, different followers and their followers are literally from all over the world. So there are people coming in and out of this community to come visit the, visit the sheikhs and learn from the sheikh um, for you know days at a time, sometimes months at a time, sometimes people, uh, move their whole families there and live there. I don't, and I don't think these people are getting Senegalese citizenship, but they, they're just uh, like renew their visas. I don't even think you need a visit visa to visit Senegal anymore, but um, they just live there. They're American citizens usually. And um, like I said, there are people from the UK who come there all the time. People from uh, France, people from Pakistan. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a a nice little expat community in this in this in this uh, particular city, but also there are lots of expats that live in Dakar, in the capital. 
Okay. Now, has your oldest completed her memorization of the Quran yet? Or Not yet. How she, long does it usually at, take? Well, or it depends on people. It depends on the person. It depends on the person. There, I, I remember one student, when I visited one time, it took him three years. Um, and there are other students that take them seven. So it actually, it depends on the person. Actually, my second daughter is, is finished, but um, there's a, another part of the process that she is that she is doing to complete her studies. So it depends, it definitely depends on the person. And sometimes people don't finish, they just memorize a portion of the Quran. Um, I'm, um, there's this one girl I know of, um, who came back, uh, we, uh, she came back to the U.S. My, with my husband and I, we just escorted her and she memorized. Uh, um, so there, are, if you divide the Quran up into like 30 sections, she memorized 20 sections and she was done. She had enough. So she went home. <laughs> oh, right. Wow. This is eye opening because I don't have any uh, uh, real windows into the Muslim community. And I really do appreciate your, um, your willingness and your openness to discuss, because I don't know. I'm, I'm all thing culture. I really do get a, a kick out of that. And, and it's interesting. I get, you know, I, I was asking myself this question just last night. Am I so like kind of obsessed with the whole culture of things because even though as Black Americans, we do have a culture, it's, it doesn't always feel like the real thing. I always feel like we have forgotten so much stuff. There's so much knowledge that we have, not, ne not even necessarily willingly forgotten, but been forced to forget. And it, and it makes me, you know, just hungry to hear and to learn about what other peoples are doing and how they, you know, arrived at their modern place. I digress, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I find it very interesting and I really do appreciate your willingness to share because this is, you know, because we have an have a diverse audience. I'm sure that, you know, many folk will appreciate having this information that, you know, there's other ways to do things. Absolutely. That's, I think that's part of our, my homeschooling journey. There's other ways to do things, right? I've already been through, you know, went to, you know, elementary school, high school, college. I even did the military. It's like, you know, following in the, in these footsteps, but, but I definitely feel that there's, there are different paths. There are different paths and they're all, all legit and all beneficial. So true. So let me ask another question about the girls. Are the two younger siblings looking forward to making the run or they just want to stay up underneath mommy, especially the seven-year-old. Cause I know my little ones. <laughs> they don't even want to let me go to the bathroom alone. So, yeah. Well, let me tell you this. I don't think any one of them, truthfully, I don't think any one of them was gung-ho <laughs> about going. You know, as a homeschool mom, uh, this is something I tell my daughters regularly, regularly, especially at the beginning of the, our quote-unquote homeschool year. I'm going to ask you to do some things and you have to try it. You don't have to do it again if you don't like it, but you have to try it. So I don't think any of them was interested in going, <laughs> but they all are willing to try. And that is beneficial in itself. And what happened when they got there, um, it, it was a, it's even surprised me. I think it surprised them, but it, it definitely surprised me of how open they were to the situation and their willingness to stay. It's not in this town, it's not, um, this town is, 
Uh, it's like on the outskirts of a town. So there are like, you know, cows running the streets. Um, go like people would like leave out leftover food for the cows to come by and eat. Um, the streets are still still sand and dirt. It's not, you know, particularly easy. It doesn't have all the comforts of, I mean, it's got running water and it's got buildings and everything. You know, it's not like they're not living in the bush, but it doesn't have all the comforts of home, including mom and dad. So we just ask them to, um, you know, we talk about what's beneficial about this and there may be some challenges and we ask them to try it just like we would do anything here. So I'm curious, when you sent your kids over to Senegal, of course, they had some skills and some natural talents. Have you noticed any new character lessons or new natural talents that they've developed or picked up? I think um, with any when with any like boarding school that people send their children to, you know, when the parents are not there on a daily basis, this um, you know independence and confidence. Um, that's definitely a, a skill that they learn, but also um, picking up different language skills, um, uh, in, the, in particular Wolof and a little bit of French because they use, because of the you know French colonization, there's a little bit of French that um, is in the conversation, especially when, it, when it's um, dealing with numbers or something like that. But also, um, you know, when learning a foreign language, my oldest daughter, daughter in particular, she 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 understands that there are some things that just don't translate, some things that just don't even sound right um, in English that you can only say in Wolof, <laughs> and it, you just can't you just can't express it in English, and her for her to have that experience. Um, opening up her mind and uh, her way of thinking to how how uh, Senegalese people think. Uh, I think that is, um, uh, you know, living outside um, uh, white supremacist hegemony, that's like a whole different mindset, a whole nother way of thinking to be, uh, and being open to that, that's definitely um, one of the skills that they picked up. So, you know, independence, at, at such a young age. So when it comes to, if, if they want to go to college, when it comes to college, you know, being on a college campus yeah. is no big deal. <laughs> They've lived, you know, overseas in another country where, you know, they speak a different language for years. And so college is gonna be like a different experience, but, you know, it's not gonna be, such a, such a jarring experience as it, as it could be to kids who've been at home with their parents from, from day one. Yes, Elle and I can attest to that. We went to a four-year boarding academy in high school. And so we, we were just talking about this yesterday, how it's different because even though you're not without supervision, you are left to your devices more often than not. And <laughs> you're kind of in charge of the bulk of your time you know you go to class but then you know if you have extracurriculars you do that but you have to manage all these other things you know snacks toiletries money money yeah all <laughs> these other little pieces to the puzzle that you know relationships with people not being able to always just run to the adult and say this is what's happening. You learn uh, advocating for oneself. Yeah, you learn a lot of different skills being away from your parents. Absolutely. Yeah. At such a young age, and I think it's you know part of it is it's fun too when you're young because you know you feel like ooh I can do everything if <laughs> I'm invincible. And, and you want to stretch your wings and try to do stuff. So I think that's really admirable of you and brave to, to let them go and to let them go so far. Yeah. That's well, it. we did, we, you know, like I said, we, we did our research. I, 
in the beginning, I think uh, my husband has always wanted his children, whether they be male or female, to to go over there, because um, he had friends when he was younger that went to Senegal, that studied in Senegal. So I think it's been always been his dream to send his children. So before we sent them over there, um, I had to check it out. So you know, we visited, and I actually just spent time chilling in the dorm. I just sat there, saw what was happening. And um, uh, the person who uh, is in charge of the dorm is actually the daughter of my husband's childhood pediatrician. So um, a family friend. So um, connecting with her and just seeing what was happening in the, in the, in the school made me, made me absolutely comfortable. So. We did it. That's that's awesome. So what comes to my mind and what I just, you know, when we when Miriam and I talked about it, we were saying to ourselves, I can't send my kids away. We were literally saying, I just can't see myself do it. So I want to know, um, just because I think for us in homeschooling, we talk about our kids developing an attachment to us, but the truth is we also develop an attachment to our kids. So mm -hmm. how are you staying in contact? Because it's not just so easy to pick up a phone and call mom. How are they communicating with you and how often? So they usually usually contact me at least once a week, and we we communicate mostly over like WhatsApp and um, yeah, WhatsApp via text or you know video calls or just voice calls. Um, um, we follow each other on social media, <laughs> so I I watch their stories or whatever. Um, so I think just those those main ways, but also uh, we go visit every now and then either my husband and I, or just my husband, we go visit. So have your little ones been with you at all or no? You, to Senegal, you mean? Yes, the two smaller ones. No, they haven't been yet. Okay. So when you are able to travel and go over to Senegal, do you have family members that keep them? How do you work that out? Yes, my, my mother actually lives about five minutes away from me. And um, uh, she, thankfully, she enjoys them. <laughs> so um, yeah, if we, if we travel, then uh, she usually stays with them or she comes to our house. So yeah. That is just tremendously great because I know a lot of homeschoolers will attest to needing a support person or a support group. Can you kind of share, you mentioned that your mom was close by, how do you find support? Because being a wife, being a mom, even though you know three of your kids are away, it's still a lot. Um, and so how are you able to uh, feel supported in your community? Yeah, so my husband is um, a support. Um, so there are some things in our homeschool education that he takes the lead on. Um, also, uh, my mother and my sister, they live together five minutes away. So there, before COVID, um, I would drop my kids off uh, at their house and I would go do West African dance because I needed it, right? Um, my mother is also um, a quilter. So my children have learned sewing skills and quilting from her. I think almost all of them have made quilts for her. Just one, one more child, one more daughter has not made a quilt, but um, most of them have made at least one quilt with her and done some other, um, definitely done some sewing skills. So, um, and also, uh, you know, along the way earlier before my, I lived close to my mother, uh, there would be people who, who in our community who would uh, adopt us. It, it takes a village to save a marriage, not just raise kids. So uh, my husband and I would need, you know, time alone um, to just, you know, be husband and wife. Um, so we would have people along the way who would just take three, four, <laughs> five kids, <laughs> you know, for a few hours and give us a break. 
that's beautiful that you found that in the community. And I think, you know, you said it takes a village. And as, as a mom, you know, I have twins, so I don't have, you know, a lot of kids, but just having two at the same time was a struggle. And there was a couple in my community that would often step in. And I think everybody needs at least someone. And mm -hmm. you talked about having your husband. And I think, yes, a spouse definitely can help out a whole lot. But sometimes, you know, you two need that time, that alone time um, as well. And so it is important to find people that you trust that can also lend a hand in your community. So I'm glad that you were able to share that because even when you said that um, the people also pour into the marriage, I think that's something that I kind of want to unpack just a little bit because yeah, I've been that. married for what, 16 years now, next month, it'll be 17 years. And I know that it's been one of those journeys where you are constantly learning. We talk about, mm -hmm. you know, teaching our kids and that journey, but the marriage journey is one that is very unique as well. And so I know that being married does have an impact on the family as a whole, of course, but also on that homeschooling. So how have you been able to grow as a wife and grow as an individual while still being married? So growing up a as a wife, that's still a work in progress. I feel like my husband is, uh, I feel like my husband is the, the better spouse. I really do. <laughs> he might say differently. But I feel he's the he's the he's the better spouse, and I am still trying to be a a, a good wife to him. So, um, and that that to me means supporting him how he wants to be supported. So I'm still working. I'm still working on that. Um, also, I think I'm much better at, um, and this is probably kind of new too. I feel I'm I'm much better at. Um, being a, a, a woman, you know, sitting into um, my womanhood when I, when I take time for myself. And that means going and volunteering at, you know, on the farm at Echo City Farms. Those just two hours that I take, uh, it just makes all the difference. And I come back home a better mom and a better wife. <laughs> and also, um, West African dance was, was an outlet for me, just taking a class just once a week for a few hours. I, I just needed it. It just fed my soul. And also, um, you know, my other interest, uh, playing basketball on, with a women's, women's team, uh, a Muslim women's team, things like, you know, things that I love doing and enjoy doing and um, being an advocate for the planet you know, through green Ramadan, all of those feed me in particular. And so, so when they feed me, I'm a better, I'm a better wife and I'm also a better mom. And also my children see me, uh, filling my own bucket. Mm -hmm. And so they know that, okay, mama needs her time. Yes. Um, I'm going to find something else to do. <laughs> I'm gonna feed my own soul in my own way, you know? <laughs> yes. So uh, the fact that they see me um, trying to be a, a better me, a better Muslim. Um, I'm right now. I am in a graduate school, getting a, a, a master of arts in Islamic studies. And my children see me studying and doing, you know, research and writing and um, attending right now um, uh, online Zoom classes. Um, they see me putting in work, so they know. Um, they have something uh, to, um, you know, to model, to model. They see my, me feeding my soul spiritually, um, uh, intellectually, uh, athletically, you know, feeding my body. And they see um, uh, their mother and father, you know, working at their relationship. So um, I, I think that even though I'm feeding my soul, um, I'm also modeling, you know, uh, this type of behavior to my children. 
Wow, that is awesome. So I love that you touched on all the things that you are doing for your own self-care. So, um, you know, we talk about that word, but you're doing it, you're leaving it, you're living it, not just um, desiring to feed your own soul, but you found ways to incorporate it throughout everything you do and you've identified the things that you love. So that's definitely admirable. Indeed. And I just want to say that I sure enough can attest to the fact that going to the farm for just those couple of hours, when I come home, they're all looking at me like I'm a new person. And I really do feel, <laughs> I really do feel like a new person. Like I needed to stick my hands in some dirt yes, and walk some roads. Yes. I needed to get my feet dirty. It just, <laughs> yeah. Dirt all up under your nails. Yeah, I don't even want to wash it off sometimes. I'm just like, just let it sit for a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, this has been amazing. Let me ask this question before I forget. So you mentioned that the young ladies are picking up Willa. Now, in the beginning of every episode, we try to put a word of the day. And or what the episode, I should say. And we usually, well, not usually, we do pick words from black countries. So Congo, Senegal, Haiti, wherever. Can you please share with us a Wolof word? <laughs> I, love it. I know you gotta know one. <laughs> yeah, I know one. I know two. Okay. I gotta say. Hey, and you know, response to that. <laughs> we'll take it. I, 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 mean, I want to Okay. I know, I, I know a couple. You put me on the spot though. So just <laughs> if you see a Senegalese person mm -hmm. and say Nagadef. Nagadef. Yes. Okay. That's like, hi, how you doing? Okay. And then your response is Mang Fi. I'm say that one time. Mang Fi. Mang Fi. Yes. Okay. Or you can say, thank you, Jetta Jeff. Okay. <laughs> or you yeah. can just say, yes. I think that's easy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Nagadef and Manch Mm-hmm. Okay. Woohoo. <laughs> something. <laughs> I like learning languages. I, I just realized that I like, I actually do. It's fun. And, and a lot of times it just seems to make sense. I guess in my mind, I compartmentalize things grammatically. So like when I, we start doing Crayole with the kids and I realize there's no tense. I mean, it's not, not tense, there's no conjugation. Mm -hmm. So if you put a certain marker for a word, then that means it's present, past, or future. I was like, oh, that's so much simpler. Why isn't everything? <laughs> and yeah, it definitely learning languages definitely expands expands your mind and, and, and how you think. Like for example, in, in, in Arabic, there is no um, like is or to be. So if you wanna say um, uh, the car is red, you're literally saying, the car red, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has been, same thing. <laughs> it has been wonderful just listening to you and hear about your family's different experiences because it's, it's so eye-opening. And for us as homeschoolers, I think it's very important for families to kind of understand that everybody's journey and everybody's walk is different and it can be celebrated and honored. And I think that's what you and your family are doing. And so I am super grateful that you carved out some time from your busy schedule to talk with us and share us some insights into your family and your experience. So I don't know, Miriam, do you have one last question before we wrap this up? I'm gonna say no, cause I could talk to Corey for a while. <laughs>
I enjoy our conversations. But the big one was the give me a word. We're going to put it in there. We're going to use one of those. Well, thank you so much. Corey, if you could leave us with one way that you are building a legacy with your girls, can you share that with us as we close? I think the the legacy that I am building with my girls is one of connection. So connection to our creator, um, connection of our, of our family to each other, and also connection with uh, people uh, across the world. Beautiful, beautiful. I think everybody, you've heard it here, connection, the importance of connection. And so we hope that you will take this episode, listen, just you can hear how much joy we've had in the conversation we want you to share it with other people so that they can learn these new insights and we just thank you so as we close we hope that you and your families will be peaceful happy and healthy all right bye for now Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.